Well, good morning, Life Source Church. It's so good to be able to come to you this morning through church online, directly into your homes. And whether you're in your bed or in your living room, it's so good to be able to bring the word and to encourage you today, no matter what you're going through, especially on this Mother's Day. It's such a great day to be able to celebrate our mums. Uh, mums know that you are loved, know that you are chosen and know that you are cherished um, as children in the room and as children around you we love you so much so we just shout out to all our mums out there today happy mother's day to you and we um, are so blessed to have you as our parents uh, in particular big shout out to my mum and uh, thanks for putting up with me for 40 years and for putting up with me for the next 40 i'm sure will be awesome praise god for that well welcome church it's so good that we can move into our second week of our series titled help for today and hope for tomorrow uh, it's it's last week was a privilege to bring our first message which was titled that you are never alone and uh, to be able to encourage you that the holy spirit is with you wherever you go because you are the temple of the holy spirit was really 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 good to be a part of if you want to catch up on the series you can go to our uh, youtube page and subscribe there, Life Source Church Griffith. You can look at our YouTube videos, but you can watch the service from last week and catch up on that series. And I pray that you'll be encouraged as you do so. But we're into week two now, and the title of our our sermon for today, the message for today, really is uh, that you are never abandoned. Praise God for that. Let's get into this. Jesus, in the person of the Holy Spirit, is our very present help for today and the rock solid hope for tomorrow and all eternity because of jesus saving work on our behalf and the father's sending of the holy spirit we are never alone we are never abandoned and we are never powerless because we belong to jesus and are indwelt by his spirit we are always secure and victorious in him that's a good word isn't it no matter what we face throughout life on this earth, nothing and no one can separate us from God's love. Who's thankful for that? Well, how about we just draw aside for a moment and we just open this message with prayer. Lord Jesus, I thank you for today. Father, we come with open hearts and open minds. We ask that you would give us sharp minds today, but even more so open our hearts so that you by your Holy Spirit can do what you do best. Set us free, fill us with your word, fill us with expectation that we can be a hope for those around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our reading for today comes from uh, the book of Romans, which this whole series comes from, in particular Romans chapter 8. And Romans chapter 8 is a really foundational passage of scripture for us as Christians. We understand through the first seven chapters of Romans who we are because of what Jesus has done for us. And when we come to Romans chapter 8, it's really foundational for us to help us understand our identity and us moving forward in the power of the Holy Spirit, which God provides. So let me read to you today from verses 12 to 17. And the word says, So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, 
but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. What a powerful passage of scripture. Did you pick up the clause at the end in verse 17? I'll read it to you again. It says, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. In this world, while we are journeying into the full revelation of Jesus and our identity with him, we are going to see trouble, trials and even tribulations. The very thing that will help us to get through these trials is the knowledge that God is for us and not against us. And that as he did with Jesus, he will never leave us nor leave us forsaken. Paul writes of the hope of being glorified with Jesus as we overcome the sufferings of this world. It is what we know that will help us in peace and joy or will keep us in peace and joy and hopefully as we traverse these trials together. Isolation has had us all experience some level of anxiety or concern that many of us haven't experienced before. I believe Holy Spirit wants to remind us today through the word of an area that we must remember as we look to God for help in these times. Jesus is reminding us that we are never abandoned. Throughout this pandemic, many have encountered the feelings of loneliness, isolation, and we have been left to our own, or worse still, the enemy's thoughts. This season is prime time for Satan as he wants to accuse God of things that brings or causes doubt. We need to make a stand against this attack with understanding from what the word of God says and teaches. What we know and what we stand on will be what positions us to come through victorious. We have a chance to learn some great lessons throughout this time which will make us stronger as one body. One body strengthened in the hope that we have in Jesus. In preparing for today's message, I have actually been pondering a portion of my own story. Why, you may ask, because like you, I have had to think on what I know so I can continue to propagate hope in the desperate times. For those of you who are parenting in particular, you will need to be thinking more about this because it's not only you going through this, but all of your children are having anxious thoughts. No matter how much you're guarding them, they know something is different. David says it like this in the book of Psalms 139. He writes, O Lord, you have searched me and have known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Isn't it reassuring to know what God is doing and that God knows what you're going through? I began by asking of myself 
what the experience was or if I have in a time of my life felt like I've been abandoned. And I could not recall a time as a child but one. It was something that was come to me not because I remember it but because those around me have told me the story. It was a time when I was at the Griffith show. I was only a young boy and uh, mum and dad have told me that I, I went wandering and I got lost in the show. Mum and dad were full of panic because they couldn't find me. And apparently I too was full of panic like I have been, had been left alone. But don't fear, my nickname when I was that age was uh, Foghorn because I had a massive voice. I was loud and trust me, mum and dad make me remember it almost every time they bring the story up. They heard me from the other side of the pavilion. They knew exactly where I was by my loud screaming. So really, I don't know of a time that I would say that I have been abandoned. Abandonment really had no pain in that way for me. But for many of you listening, I know too well that you have actually experienced this feeling and for some of you too often. While I haven't felt alone or a lot in this area, uh, sorry, I have had many times where I have actually felt alone and afraid. And this, I know, is a place that will trip me up if I take my eyes off of Jesus. I grew up in a Christian home. Our, home, our whole family came to Christ when I was just nine years old. Yet in my teens, like many of you, I chose to shut people out and push them away, contributing to this thinking that I was all alone. This attributed to some dysfunction in my life, and yet I know that Jesus never allowed me to walk too far away from him. This links my thinking to the first two verses of our reading today. Paul wrote, So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. When I was focused on myself and what I thought I wanted, I was gratifying my flesh and I felt dead inside. As a 16-year-old, I felt a long way from Jesus and I actually pushed him away with my own selfish ways. I got dangerously close to doing this with my parents, my family, and in fact, I actually got so close of doing this with my now wife, Sarah. Thankfully, I came to my senses when I got married. Married at 19, I was a young man. I began to consider my future, my wife, and how I was to support her. And I began to allow the voice of the Holy Spirit to gently remind me of who I was and to whom I belonged to. While I never experienced true abandonment, I had convinced myself as a teen that I was alone and that it was Sarah and I against the world. My dad was a very busy man on the farm and to see him, I had to work. My mum struggled for many, many years with uh, depression and, uh, and I did not understand this then, but it's amazing the empathy that you get when you go through these things yourself. But you see, I told myself I had a normal life. While I could not control others, I could control myself. And this, I believe, is where I let abandonment come in. I actually was the one who abandoned people. I pushed them away, even Jesus. 
eventually I realized how wrong I was. This is a simple reflection, but what about you? Were you pushed away? Were you all alone? Did you go through this or something similar, even in your own teen years? Are you even feeling these sorts of feelings right now? That if you are, and you know Jesus, his desire today is to free you from this and replace this feeling, this lie, that you are alone with his truth. There is a real truth that we must grasp in the middle of all that we are going through and fighting for at this time. When Jesus comes into your life, he comes to stay. What set me free from the old me? What was it? It, it, some of you sitting at home in fact there's one lady in the church and it sticks with me because she's used this term before what set me free from the memes was the reality that God has a plan and a purpose for my life and I will never discover this while I am focused on me myself and I when Jesus comes he comes with the promise and he comes to stay an example from the, from the word of God in the New Testament would actually be Saul. Saul later became the Apostle Paul. And he had this encounter with Jesus. And he had an encounter with the Jesus who, who didn't just come and leave. He had an encounter with Jesus who came to stay. And it was the reality that Jesus would not leave him as an orphan that positioned him in the, to traverse the Christian life as a missionary. Saul was a man hell-bent on zealously following the law of God. He was radical, a zealot, and would follow through even unto death. Saul stood as a witness even to condone the murder of Stephen, the first Christian martyr. He was like, here, let me hold your jackets so you can throw the stones even harder. That was Saul. He pursued the followers of Jesus like there was no tomorrow, condemning them and throwing them into prison. This half-Jewish, half-Roman knew the law in and out and knew how to utilize the law for his own advantage. Saul persecuted the early church and terrorized many who followed Jesus. You can read about this in Acts chapter 8. Yet a radical conversion happened to a radical devotee of the law. On the road to Damascus, Saul encountered the risen Christ in his glory and power. Could you imagine being Saul and encountering the Jesus who would say, Why do you kick against the goads? Why do you persecute me? I can imagine being like Saul, but I could also imagine being like Ananias, who was the Christian that Jesus came to in a vision and challenged in Acts chapter 9. I can imagine being like Ananias as the Lord called him through this vision with a very specific instruction to go to touch Saul who was actually praying. Could you imagine what is Jesus asking me to do? To go to Saul of Tarsus. Are you mad, Jesus? Do you want me to die? Listen to what the Lord says to Ananias in Acts chapter 9, verse 13. He says, But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, 
how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has the authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings of the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may re- remain, uh, sorry, regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. See, in this transaction, in this time, Saul transitions to Paul. And immediately the Bible teaches us that he goes out and preaches the gospel. And yet the Christians remain terrified of him. This would have been the first of many setbacks of this great apostle. Have you gone through setbacks? Have you felt alone? Could you imagine how alone Paul may have felt at these times as he's gone out to teach of the gospel and yet people have rejected him? Paul, in his missions for the kingdom, suffered many things for Jesus. On top of the setbacks from Christians, he had imprisonments, rejections, failures, floggings, beatings, stonings, and you know he was even shipwrecked. And yet he overcame the normal human feelings of abandonment. How? 2 Corinthians 4, 7-11, Paul The very man I'm talking about writes these words. But you have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the bodies, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the Life of Jesus may also be manifest in our bodies. We who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So what is this treasure that Paul speaks of? Before I answer this, in prepping I I was able to listen to this sermon by Pastor Cass Tompich down in Seton. And she mentioned a man that I really haven't given a second thought to, except I do remember being sad on the day of his execution. Can I ask you, where were you on the 29th of April, 2015, as Andrew Chan stood before a firing squad in Bali? I remember sitting on the couch, not not knowing too much about the situation, but I do remember a small little prayer. It wasn't much, but I remember saying to God, Lord, have mercy on him. Did you say a prayer for him? Did you say a prayer for the eight others who were executed with him? Because really it was a tragic loss of life for the wrongs committed in the past. So I never really followed the story. So I read a little testimony of him this week. As a boy, he had no real interactions with his parents. They ran a restaurant and worked seven days a week for more than 11 hours a day. Left to his own devices, Andrew became a heroin addict at 14 years old. 
his life in turmoil, we saw the culmination when he and Myurin Sukumaran led the infamous Bali Nine to smuggle drugs. During the 10 years of his incarceration and pending execution, Andrew came to faith in Jesus Christ. In fact, his testimony was that when he was first captured, he remembered his neighbours growing up who were from the Salvation Army and who sometimes took him to Sunday school at church. It's really interesting what the seeds of the gospel will do in a young child as he goes to Sunday school, as he does the things that he needs to do in his own life Spirit of God was at work doing something with those seeds. It wasn't until I ended up, this is his words, this is what Andrew wrote. It wasn't until I ended up in solitary confinement that I realized I wasn't going to get out of this. In fact, I figured they were going to kill me. I had never felt so hopeless and alone before and decided that if, I, if they were going to kill me anyway, I'd just do it myself. I took my t-shirt off and made a noose. These are the writings of despair and utter abandonment. I decided that if I was going to kill myself, he continued, then I should end up in heaven. I wasn't sure how to do that, but I figured I should pray. I wasn't sure how to pray, so I looked up and said, God, if you are real. For the first time in my life, I began to cry and ended up on my knees. I cried and cried and said, God, if you are real, send someone who cares about me to see me. I fell asleep just like that. At 6.30 the next morning, a guard woke me. I woke up cursing him in my usual response, and he said, get up, you've got a visitor. I said, I can't have a visitor. No one even knows I'm here. He took me to the visitor area, and I saw my brother. Later I told him to bring me a Bible. This man then underwent, underwent a transformation over time as he read the Bible. I believe it took his third reading of the New Testament to understand or to begin to understand what Jesus had done for him. Andrew Chan studied, became a pastor under five denominations and led worship, Bible studies, even church and the result of this turnaround meant that many people came in the prison came to salvation and he was able to baptize them into Christ. Andrew Chan had led a group of nine to Bali to smuggle drugs and money. Now, on the day of his execution, ten years after the fact, he found himself leading another nine to the execution grounds. He chose to lead them as a worshipper. He asked them, can we sing as we go? Some of them weren't even saved. And they sang songs to Jesus like Mighty to Save, Hallelujah, Amazing Grace, and his favorite song, Bless the Lord, O My Soul. Andrew Chan, like Saul on the road to Damascus, met Jesus Christ, who in turn revealed the Father's love for them and empowered them to overcome their circumstances through the power of grace of the Holy Spirit. On the outside, Andrew Chan was abandoned by the world. But on the inside, he had a peace resounding within him that God would never leave him nor forsake him. Like Paul, like Andrew Chan, 
And even if you like, like me and my story, we can learn so much from the Holy Spirit as we choose to live above the flesh, above whatever life throws at us in the power of the Spirit when we come to understand that God the Father is for us and not against us. It is this truth that begins to undermine the lie of abandonment. While everyone else will abandon me, or while the world has forsaken me, because I have abandoned the world for Christ, God will never, ever abandon me. Jesus came to reveal his Father. It was God who tried to reach out to the Israelites. And Paul tells us in Romans chapter 9 and verse 25 and 26, it begins, as indeed it says in Hosea, the prophet, those who were not my people, I will call my people. And her who was not beloved, I will call beloved. And in the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there they will be called sons of the living God. The treasure Paul spoke of earlier that is found within these earthen vessels, church, is God himself. He chooses to dwell within you by the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 14 to 15, as we continue through our passage, begins, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Paul understood that he now belonged to God and he was secure even while he was in prison. He knew he was actually free. He no longer had to earn God's approval for living fully under the law. He received God's approval by accepting Jesus. This is the peace that overcomes all situations. This is what Andrew Chan felt and is what you can feel when you are able to see that the life you now live is in the spirit and not subject to your situation. Paul could sing in prison. Andrew could sing before a firing squad. Jesus was silent before his accusers. Church, why was Jesus silent before his accusers? Because at that point, he needed to be silent for you. So that now, as you encounter Jesus, you could be loud and bold and boisterous and full of faith, full of the things that God wants for your life and proclaiming him because you're not called to be silent anymore that which jesus paid for on your behalf has set you free because of his blood when we overcome in christ we can understand this next truth and this next truth is this god chose you God did not give you a spirit of slavery under fear, the Bible tells us. He gave you the spirit of adoptions as sons. And it is by this spirit that we cry out. As the Bible says, Abba. But as you might say, Papa, Daddy, God. How do you understand adoption? That's a big question. Well, the Bible approaches adoption from two different points of view or two different ways. There's the Old Testament kind of adoption, the, the Jewish kind, the Semitic kind. Like an example would be uh, Esther. 
that her parents had died, but her uncle Mordecai had taken her in. He had adopted her. This, this kind of um, adoption is, is beneficial for those who are part of an agrarian society. Because the more children you've got, the more work you can get done. It, it was also a way to protect the family. For example, their inheritance. The child would be adopted into another family and that child would be looked after until they were of age to be able to move back to their own property so that their family inheritance would be restored. But then we see in the New Testament, and in particular in this passage of Scripture, that there is a different kind. In the book of Romans, Paul is writing, the audience are to Romans, people who would understand adoption in a very different way than what God had intended in the Old Testament. The Old Testament was about the poor, the downtrodden, those who were left behind. But the Romans were not concerned with that. The Romans were concerned on how they were going to increase their power, how they were going to increase their political influence, how they were going to increase their prestige, how they were going to increase their wealth. And how were they going to see the succession of those things pass to the next generation? Roman adoption was only concerned with a male heir and was almost exclusive for adults. They never really adopted children. Roman adoption meant this, that political power and wealth could be passed to someone that would protect the future of the family name. Therefore, if a son was going to mess things up, a real-life born son was going to mess things up, a Roman citizen could adopt another man to become his firstborn son. And this, first, this new adopted son would be adopted with the rights of the first or the full rights of the natural born son, adopted with complete acceptance and adopted with everything of their past erased. Their family line, their poverty or their wealth, wherever they came from, um, all of that was, was wiped away, including the wrongs that they have done. They were endowed with all the rights, privileges and responsibilities as if they were the natural born son of the family. When Paul mentions adoption in Romans chapter 8, it is not because God was compelled to accept you in your poverty and depravity. Although God did that, it is more about his choice to adopt you in spite of this because he's saying that he chooses you. God chose you to be his son and to be an heir of his kingdom, carrying the full rights and responsibilities to further it through your relationship with him and your relationship with others. Ladies, this is why you are included in the word sons. So scripture is not watered down. You have the full rights as a son of God. Because the Romans never really understood what adoption was, they didn't they, from God's perspective, they took it and they never adopted women. So if, God, if Paul is writing and he's using this form of, um, of that God would accept you and adopt you as a son, that is why he hasn't said as a son or a daughter. So you women are included in the fullness of this promise that you are adopted as sons of God. No longer under a schoolmaster. No longer being held until we are of age. 
But in Christ, we have full acceptance now and full access to the kingdom of God. This leads me to the challenge for today. Church, let me ask you this question. How do you see God? From the passage that we see Paul write this in verse 15, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. There are two ways to see God, either as a slave or as a son. And it is evident by your lifestyle which way you see God. It's the truth. The first is to see God from the perspective of a slave. The second is to see God from the perspective of a son. The first will leave you serving God as a slave, fearful that you may lose something in his anger. A slave mentality will only ever manifest fear. But the second, as a son, chosen, adopted by a father who loves you and would do anything to bring honor through you to his name, the willingness to lay down his life for the betterment and expansion of the kingdom here on earth, God adopts you. God did not give you a spirit of slavery. He has adopted you, accepted you, given you his best. His spirit, who is the seal of your salvation, who is the one that says who you are and whose you are. You belong to him. And the reality is, in this scenario, God belongs to you as Papa, Abba. You can cry those very words, Abba Father, whenever and wherever you are and in any circumstance with the confidence that God will hear you and will respond. And because he has established this through the covenant promise made in his very blood, the blood of Jesus, the fact of the matter is God will never leave you as orphans. In Hebrews 13, we read, For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Verse 6, So we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? And in John 15, 14 to 16, You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants. For the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from the Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Last week we discovered that Jesus promised his presence and now we see that he does not leave us as orphans. He does not abandon us but chooses us, adopts us, and sets us up to overcome whatever circumstance it is in this world as we seek first his kingdom. And as Paul teaches us, when Jesus comes into our lives, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed and always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifest in our bodies 
I mentioned that scripture before, 2 Corinthians 4, 8 to 10. So let's bring this to a wrap and conclude it for us today. Jesus has promised his presence to you and to me. Jesus is not a liar. The gospel is the breathtakingly good news that when Jesus comes into our life, everything changes. It's not me fighting for my life anymore, but I am now adopted as a son of God and never to be abandoned by him. Jesus overcame a sin-stained world by dying in my place on the cross. And the Father has chosen me to live in the fullness of his inheritance as he has chosen me and you to be his son. On the cross when Jesus died, the Bible teaches that we become sin. Or sorry, Jesus became sin on our behalf, which means he also bore the abandonment that many of us has felt in our lives. When we felt let down by others, Jesus took it on himself. And in fact, in that moment when he became sin, he felt exactly what it was like to feel abandoned because God turned his back upon the sin. Jesus was abandoned so that you and I never would be. Isn't that a good word? When he became sin, he took upon himself our abandonment. Now God accepts us in him, fully convinced that you are his. Galatians 4, 4-7 But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. There's that word again. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Church, you are no longer a slave to the feelings of abandonment. You are no longer slaves to the past that you may have endured. In Jesus, you have found hope. In Jesus, you have found someone who will accept you and who wants to partner with you by the Holy Spirit to set you free from the things of your past. Only Jesus can heal the wounds of abandonment in your own life. Because only Jesus is the one that can say honestly that he will never leave you nor forsake you. Church, if you've never, if you're listening today from this place, if you're listening to this message and you have said everyone's turned their back on me, no one loves me, no one even cares about me, if you're listening and tuned in for the first time and you're hearing that God will never abandon you. He will never leave you desperate and hopeless. But in fact, he'll empower you with his Holy Spirit so that you can bring hope to others. The answer to this is to open up your hearts and say yes to him. If you believe that Jesus accepts you, then you can also believe that he will forgive you. If you can believe that he can forgive you, there is power to set you free in that. And when you confess your sin to him, he will forgive you in this place. I'd love to invite you into this relationship right now where you can let go of your past, let go of your wrongs, let go of the hurt that's come against you and abandonment and come to God who will never leave you or forsake you. 
Would you follow me in this prayer this morning? If you want to commit your life to Jesus, if you want God to accept you like he accepted Andrew Chan, like he accepted Saul on that road to Damascus, if you would like to commit your life to Jesus and say that I have a Father in heaven who loves me and cares about me just like I can say to you today that he will never leave you. And would you say this with me? Lord Jesus, I humble myself today. And I say I cannot do this without you. I acknowledge that I am a sinner and I ask that you forgive me. Wash me clean in your blood. I ask that you would accept me as a son. My slate wiped clean. Thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you for your love and acceptance. Today I choose to say you are my Lord. I give my life to you. and lay it at your feet. Thank you for your acceptance. Thank you for cleansing me. Thank you for accepting me. Give, of, give to me of the Holy Spirit and seal my life because when you come in, you come to stay. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. It's who I am, it's who I am, you're a good
weeks ago I wrote a poem about my mother and I thought it might be appropriate for Mother's Day. So I'd like to read it to you now. I hope you enjoy it. It's called A Mother's Place. I first encountered tenderness and softness in her arms and comforting security from life's impending harms. Of course, I don't remember now the wonders of those days as helpless, weak and vulnerable, contented, there I lay. And as I grew through infancy, and learned to stand and walk, I realised the thrill of making sounds, of speech, of talk. And there she was beside me, coaching, chatting, daring me to formulate expressions with creative imagery. She demonstrated qualities just by the way she lived of love, compassion, faithfulness, willingness to give, of sacrifice, devotions, and of patience without end, of how to shoulder bravely and make suffering my friend. She taught me how the Saviour had been crucified for all and rose again in heavenly power to break sin's deadly thrall. She helped me read the Bible and to memorize God's word, to keep my eyes on Jesus with clear vision, never blurred. But she didn't give me lessons in those mysteries of life, like how to treat a woman or a man to size a wife of dealing with the spiteful, the resentful, the unfair, and how to cope with bitterness, injustice, and despair. For when I was a child of eight, she fell to cancer's curse. From home to hospital she went, from hospital to hearse. A decade then of teenage years, Starved of a mother's care, a drought of hugs and kisses, and of earnest, aching prayer. I wonder what I might have been as she'd stayed by my side. What mellowness of spirit might have then been amplified. Of course, I deeply, deeply 
treasure the Holy Spirit's grace. But even so, there's no one else can take a mother's place. Thank you. God bless you now. Bye. I'm back. That was a great message, Pastor Steve, in uh, week two of your series, Help for Today, Hope for Tomorrow. I pray you've been blessed by these messages. And if you have indicated that you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Saviour because the Word has touched you, then please follow through um, either by filling in a form or send us an email or contacting us in some way. We really do want to make contact with you and just help you on your journey. So have a great week, guys. I pray that you're able to return to some normality um, as we, uh, the restrictions start to lift. But be careful, be safe, and um, love someone this week. God bless you. Have a great week. Ciao.